Welcome to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham, a podcast dedicated to established business leaders like you, ready to bring more meaning into your life in a way that strengthens rather than threatens the financial stability of your business. I'm your host, Bessie Graham. I've worked with business owners, governments, and large funding bodies like the United Nations for over 20 years to bring doing good and making money back together. So let's unpack why you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Faithful with the little things, you'll be rewarded with the big things. When I hear these sayings, I find myself suddenly wanting to sing part of a Nicki Minaj song. Oh, how you made me believe You had me caught in every web that you weave Because guess what? These are lies, people. They're just lies. And they are not serving us as leaders. So in today's episode, I want to dig in a little bit to these common sayings, whether they're biblical references, whether they're quotes that we hear on social media or that we're presented with in books. So much of the advice, for want of a better word, that we are being given as leaders is actually deeply unhelpful. There's a book called Uncommon Service and in it, the authors Frey and Morris talk about the fact that No business, no organisation can be excellent at everything. It's just not possible. And so what they talk about is that if you try to be good at everything, you will end up being mediocre at everything. You will not, in fact, succeed or find that brilliance that allows you to clearly differentiate in a market between yourself and your competitors of what it is that you bring that is unique. And so the the challenge really that they are putting to businesses in this book is that you have to choose what you're going to be bad at. And that may not sit very well with you. If you are used to winning achieving, ticking off goals, being the best, it can be deeply uncomfortable to have someone ask you to choose what you're going to be bad at. But if we think about this idea of the fact that you cannot be the best at everything, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? You know, there's the the old saying around trying to be all things to all people. If we do that, if we are being all things to all people, burning the candle at both ends, all of these types of, of sayings, 
and I, I will stop. I'm not going to keep rattling off every every common quote. But if we think about these pieces, then we know that actually that's true. You you cannot be all things to all people. This isn't just reserved for businesses either, trying to be all things to all people. When we move into areas like philanthropy and granting, I have over many years raised issues with both the funders, whether that's government or philanthropy, as well as the organisations applying for that funding, to talk to them about the really unhealthy aspects of both power dynamics and incentivizing the wrong behavior that is set up in the way we frame grants. Because we are asking people to fight for limited resources where they are typically stuck in a scarcity mindset and desperate to grab any funding they can. And we are framing projects so that they have to present themselves as being able to do such a wide range of skills that it's not actually possible they're great at all of those things. And so what we're doing is actually asking people to lie. So whether it's in the way we grant, whether it is in the way we market or think about our businesses, this approach that tells us that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything, that tells us that if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well, is just encouraging an approach that is actually deeply misleading. You probably have had examples in your own life where you have spread yourself too thin and tried to take that approach of being all things to all people. Whether it was in the way you put your limited energy spread across your work, your role as a parent, as a partner, as a board member, as a daughter or sister, and you ended up feeling like you were actually failing at all of them. That is what happens when we try and do everything at the same standard or quality. We end up being mediocre at all of them, which is not very satisfying. So, when we think of that aspect of, you know, when the standard is doing your best, if you are a person who has high standards, you're a person with expectations, a tendency towards being a perfectionist, these pieces are really challenging. So if that's you, I'm looking at you fellow leaders, then to operate like this is asking for trouble. And that's why I want to just sit with you today and unpack it a little bit and name these things for what they are. Lies. So strategy is about saying no to good things. I want you to be strategic. Consistent, yes, but strategic about it. And so what you need to do if you're going to actually be strategic is to realize that all opportunities, all demands are not equal and you cannot treat them as such. Lately, I've been seeing more and more of this approach 
being pushed on multiple fronts around getting people to not be strategic and getting them to see everything as equal. And I think it's really dangerous. We all filter out and then tune in to specific things based on how we're wired, what our disposition is, the aspects around our beliefs, what we're focused on. And so the people most likely to pick up and run with these ideas of the way you do one thing is the way you do everything, those people are typically going to be the people who are already overachievers. So what I want to say is let's not give these helpful reminders to people who already have a tendency to overachieve and work too hard and be perfectionists. Let's not encourage or justify this behaviour by continuing to push these ideas. Like anything, there is always an element of truth in some of these things. So I absolutely accept that life and mastery are a journey. And so we can't expect the results or mastery to come without running the reps, without that repetition. So the element of truth in these sayings is that how you do small things is important, but I am always wary of positions that put forward an idea that ignores context. Remember all of the things that we've talked to in relation to cultivating a both-and mindset. I continue to remind you that whenever you find yourself or, or feel yourself being one-dimensional or going to the extremes of a spectrum, then I want you to pause and ask some questions of yourself and others. Because a realization that we are being one-dimensional or going to extremes is a really helpful kind of gauge or prompt to reflect and say, if what I'm trying to cultivate is a both-and mindset and is to have that broader lens to not pick either or, then if someone is giving me advice that is really pushing one side of the equation, I need to ask questions. Or if I am behaving in a way or making decisions in a way that is one-dimensional and at an extreme, I need to ask myself questions about where is that coming from? Is this how I want to behave? Overwhelm, a lack of fulfillment, burnout and feeling disillusioned, any of those feelings which are so common with leaders, whether people are being open and, and public about it or not, I guarantee you it's happening. I'm seeing it all of the time. But any of these feelings come when you feel like you've done all the right things, you've ticked all the boxes, you've done what was expected of you, and yet you then realise that that has led you 
to live someone else's idea of success. So you feel that resentment, you feel burnt out, you feel disillusioned because you're thinking, hang on a minute, this isn't how it was meant to go. I've done what I was meant to do. I've, I've pulled my end of the bargain. This is not how I thought I would feel. This is not what I thought my experience would be. The question when we've done that chasing down, ticking the boxes, doing what was expected of us in this one-dimensional way, the question that we need to, to ask ourselves is, do you want an empty inbox, no missed calls, the perfect body, house, kids, partners? Do you want to be everyone's go-to person who always says yes, always delivers, always gets it done no matter what? Or do you want to figure out who and what matters to you and show up in all your glory there for those people and things that you actually care about? Do you want to then do a good enough job on the things that you don't love but that do have to get done and just say no or ignore everything else? Because when we think about these ideas and we kind of put them together and we say, okay, I'm going to choose what to be bad at. I'm going to be strategic and actually say no to some good things and not prioritize them. And then in the middle there, I'm just going to be willing to be average and just do a good enough job on some of those things that do have to get done but are not my priorities or are not my focus. In doing that and making those decisions, you are going to have to let go of some of those pieces in the first category of being the go-to person, of always delivering, of always having an answer, of always saying yes regardless of of how busy or, or the other demands that are on you. You may not have the perfect fill in the blank, whether it was the body, life, house, partners, kids, whatever is important to you. They may not appear perfect anymore. That word appear is important though, because even for the people who appear to be perfect in those categories, they're not, I guarantee you. No one's perfect. So the perception of perfection is purely a facade. It's not true. But we have to start to let go of some of the aspects around identity or ego or worth that are tied up in the kind of approach that is so unhealthy connected to this desire to do everything perfectly and to do everything and value everything the same way. The other piece that can be really tricky when you make this transition and when you start to choose what you prioritise and where you're putting energy, do some things in an average way and ignore other things, is that there are relational aspects to that and other people's expectations do come into play. So if your mum is like mine, it can be tricky. I'm still trying to explain to my mum that me not answering my phone or not joining in on particular activities 
just simply means I'm prioritizing and being protective of my energy. It doesn't mean that I'm so busy or desperately tired. It just means I know what's important for me and I have boundaries. And so that conversation means that you not only when you make these decisions and shifts, you not only have to reprogram yourself, you have to reprogram and educate those around you because otherwise it can be uh, damaging in ways that aren't, aren't uh, what you're, you're wanting. And it does take time. But hold on to that intent behind you getting really clear and really intentional and purposeful about what is important to you. The reason I want you to go through this process and to get the clarity, set those boundaries and prioritize is that approaching your life with that belief that how you do anything is how you do everything is just going to eat you alive. Every task, opportunity, person demanding your time and attention should not all be treated as being of the same priority level automatically. It is your job to figure out the ways that you will filter and choose and discern what those priorities are and should be and how you then respond to those external demands on your time and attention. Intentionally choosing to be bad at something might be hard for some of you. I do feel your pain. But regardless of how hard it might feel, it is so important. When I was a teenager, I'm just going to tell you a little story that, that will make you realise that I, I do understand how hard it is to be bad at something. But so when I was a teenager, I fell for this lie for years and it came in the form of a T-shirt, a no fear T-shirt that was worn by a guy who was ridiculously athletic in the year above me. I'm looking at you, Tim Weekly. Anyway, his T-shirt said, second place is first loser. And me being the competitive type that I was slash am, I really believed that T-shirt. I did not want to come second at anything. And so what that meant was that when I was competing, even in a, an activity that I hated, which was cross-country running, I hated that and yet I every year would end up competing and running that race even though I didn't want to. I would stand at the start line with this dialogue going through my head going, oh, I'm not going to try this year because I don't actually like cross country and I don't want to get to the next level of competition and have to do it again. So I would stand there convincing myself that I was going to be mature this year and I was not going to run because I didn't want to. 
gun would go. We would start to run. And at first I would stick to my intention of not trying because I didn't like it and didn't want to do it. But then I would see someone run past me and I would look at them and think, I'm better than her. There's no way she can beat me. I'm not going to let her beat me. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to totally try and push myself, but I just can't let her beat me. So I would speed up a little bit and overtake her. And this would continue. And my inability to not care and to let someone else beat me in a sport that I didn't really even want to win meant that each year I would rank well and have to move on to the next cross-country competition. And so that swallowing of the lie and not getting myself and my behaviour under control caught me off guard every year. And I believed it. Second place is first loser. Really? Is it really, Bessie? Like, do you really believe that? As you push yourself over the finish line just to prove that you're better than someone whose opinion doesn't really matter anyway, to win a race that you hate only to find you now need to go and do it all again, who's the real loser in that scenario? The reality is it was me. And my inability to be strategic, my inability to separate out my desire to win and succeed from being intentional about choosing what I wanted to win and succeed at meant that I continually, year after year, found myself in that position of having to compete in a sport I hated. So winning isn't all it's cracked up to be. And getting to the top, if it's devoid of all context, relevance and alignment to you, is going to feel empty. Quite frankly, doing your best in that scenario is nothing but a waste of your energy and talent. So sit with that. Is giving your energy and talent to things that you don't actually really care about, that are not moving you closer to what it is you really want to achieve or what your vision of success is, is that a wise decision? I wonder if you see yourself in any of the tendencies, traps or habits that I've shared with you, many of which are a lifelong struggle for me. Don't get me wrong. I do want you to care about the outcomes. So when I'm framing these pieces as lies, when I'm telling you that they are not serving you, what I am not saying is you shouldn't care about the outcome. You shouldn't care about achievement or doing a good job. But listen to that again. I want you to care about the outcomes that you deliver. 
I didn't just say I want you to deliver, right? I didn't just say I want you to win. I didn't say I want you to come first. I said I want you to care about the outcomes that you do deliver. The context, the specifics, the details matter. And when we take a general saying or idea or belief and we ignore all of that context, all of that detail, we lose the power to be framing something that is life-giving and useful for us to take on as leaders. Your job as a leader is to be discerning and make judgment calls. It is not about you just being a robot and pumping out crap mindlessly. It's not just about you standing at the, the start line, running hard, getting over the finish line first and thinking your job's done. But here's the challenge. If strategy is saying no to good things, And I'm asking you to be discerning and to make that judgment call. How do you actually know what to say no to? You can't decide what to say no to if you don't know yourself or where you want to go. And this comes back to a piece that I've talked to you about before, but that is so important which is these two places of being grounded in your values and moving towards your vision. And these come into play here because, as I said, if you don't know who you are, what you want and where you're going, it's very difficult to make that judgment call and to discern which things to say no to. You don't have to be the best at everything. In fact, please don't be. It's okay to do a half-assed job on some tasks or to not even do them at all. But the piece that I want you to do and to think about as we wrap up is to ask yourself three things when you find yourself in a situation and need to decide how to show up. Those three things are around self-awareness, sustainability, and strategy. Let me just briefly tell you what I mean in each of those categories. When you're in this position and you're trying to figure out how to discern what to do, start by asking yourself, is this approach I'm thinking of taking? Is this decision I'm about to make coming from a place of self-awareness? That question will ensure that you have stopped long enough and done the work to get to clarity around making sure you understand yourself, those particulars, the context, the aspects that make you unique. That is going to help you avoid living someone someone else's idea of success. So self-awareness is the first piece. Is this coming from a place of self-awareness? 
The second one builds on that, which is around, is this sustainable for me? When you know yourself and you have the place from self-awareness that you're making a decision, you're then able to assess if it's sustainable. Am I going to be able to keep this up? If this is a marathon, not a sprint, am I going to be able to sustainably continue to do this? And the third brings us back to strategy and the art of saying no to good things. What that piece allows you to do as a frame in the discernment and judgment is it means that you can look at these things and say, have I examined all the options here but decided on what is most important to me or what feels most fulfilling or connects me to something that I want to contribute to? In making the decisions that way, And showing up then and giving your time and energy to those things, you are being strategic because you're not letting all voices, all demands be considered equal. You have chosen what is your priority and you make decisions from that place. Fulfillment is not found in winning every race, fulfillment is found in intentionally choosing the races that are important to you and committing your energy there. You can say no to good things and in the process, you will find your things. Thank you for taking the time to listen to both Success and Integrity with Bessie Graham. If you found what I shared today valuable or you think that it would be good for a fellow business leader to listen to, then please share the episode with someone you know. Another way to help the podcast is to provide a rating and written review on your podcast app of choice. The written review is important because it helps others learn more about what we're trying to achieve. If you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to me at any time on LinkedIn, YouTube or Instagram just by searching Bessie Graham or you can go to BessieGraham.com. I'm Bessie Graham and remember, you don't have to choose between experiencing success or having integrity in your life.